Sorry to interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast. Guinevere Lee here. And did you know that I'm an author? That's correct. I write historical fantasy novels. And after a two-year hiatus, for some weird reason, I have started doing book signings again. Our first stop is in Mississauga, Ontario, at the Indigo in the Square One shopping mall. If you want to come out and say hi and talk Lord of the Rings with us, Noel and I will both be there on Saturday, August 27th from 11am until 5pm. Square One is at 100 City Centre Drive, Mississauga, right next to Highway 403 and Her Ontario Street. Stay tuned after the episode to hear about my two novels, Orope the White Snake and Picari the Azure Fish. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Riverpod, the only Lord of the Rings podcast that is more concerned with the fate of the Batgirl movie than you would think. I'm Guinevere Lee. And I am Noel Sayar. <laughs> yes, for those who have been reading the entertainment news of late, <laughs> there's quite a lot of news surrounding the um, cancellation and burial of the Batgirl movie. I, I just, it made me think about Jupiter's Legacy, which was another, like, yeah. big budget project that got cancelled very early on. Of course, I mean, we actually got to see season one but yeah, I, <laughs> of I, Jupiter's I, Legacy. But Batgirl cost about $90 million to make. And the studio just wrote it off. Just bore it. It's like a... Never gonna see the the light. Now, Guinevere, you're asking. I thought this was a Lord of the Rings podcast, <laughs> not a Batgirl podcast. Well, I just bring this up to remind everyone that nothing is certain. And while we keep hearing things about the Rings of Power costing half a billion dollars and how they've already greenlit five seasons and yada, yada, yada. I just always have this thought at the back of my head, like, these days, really big budget projects are getting cancelled on whims. And, I don't know, depending on the vitriol of the internet, I'm just left feeling like, it's possible that we might get, like, one season of The Rings of Power <laughs> and then it just all goes belly up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know it's kind of unlikely, but how unlikely was it for them to cancel Batgirl or to cancel Jupiter's Legacy after they spent, like... Well, I don't know how, how much. It was, how, like, how, a few hundred million. Like, yeah, like it was a, so much money. Especially for the time when they did it, like, it was, like, unusual, like, a high budget. But I think, like, uh, the, the difference with, like, a Batgirl is, like, a... They are gonna put on air the first season of Rhythm of Powers, and then we are gonna see exactly how the people react, and not just the view of the trolls. Because we don't know how much these trolls also represent the, like, the general opinion of the, of the people. That is, the people that are gonna just consume this product in particular. So, I, I, I think like at this like a negative comments, they are like a way overrepresented for like the the, the, the population yes. of the people. I'm not saying that this is only going to be based off of Twitter's response, but I do wonder if this show is going to find its fan base. 
Because I, I, I do feel like the producers are trying to copy Game of Thrones' success. And so part of that would be to try to draw in the Game of Thrones audience. Now, of course, they're going to have direct competition because yes. House of Dragon... Is aired this weekend. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it's... So the, the, the war is on, right? <laughs> but, like, uh, also, I, what I think is going to happen is, like, uh, the people that now they are commenting on the internet, it is just the angry ultra fans that, like, uh, Or trolls. Like, people who just don't even know what Lord of the Rings yeah. are, but well, of are course. just full of hate and want to watch the world burn. But I think in the same, in the same like, a fashion that happened with, like, a Lord of the Rings, Sorry, with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones attract to like the franchise people that never even like a, like a go near a book, ever. Yeah. It is just I, I wanna say the vast majority of people that enjoy the TV show never read the book before and probably never even read a, read a book like after the TV show. <laughs> and I some think, of them don't even know there's books. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is gonna happen here too. And like all of this. Let's call it like a casual watchers, people that they are not invested in the lore as like um, they're just gonna watch the show and enjoy it. That's gonna be the mass majority of like uh, the, the target audience. So it is always gonna be like uh, this fan base angry with the wall. I just think it's really hard these days to get an audience because there's so much competition. It's true. Which is why I think these streaming services are pulling these projects so quickly because they don't want to keep investing in a project that they that is not getting the attention that they want. So they're going to pivot to something bigger and flashier. Yeah, just like, because, yeah, they, they cannot lose a season yet with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just feel like... <sighs> I, mean, I don't know, I just, it's, it's just so hard to get an audience. And I feel like the people who would appreciate this TV show are either going to be, like, the hardcore book nerds, who a lot of them are just not going to watch this series. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some of that has to do with the fact that they just, they like books more than TV, right? <laughs> Well, then, of course, the Game of Thrones audience. And then, yeah, people who are coming from the Peter Jackson films. And I feel like those people are going to be the ones who are the most alienated. You think so? I don't know. I feel like the people who are a fan of the Peter Jackson films only... And I know a lot of these people, they watch the films and then they tried to read the books. And they hated the books. Yeah. And they just couldn't even finish them. I <laughs> I feel like they're just not going to appreciate where all this backstory is coming from. You know what I mean? Like they're I don't think that they're really going to be interested in learning about the glowing trees and all of that. Oh, they they don't want to care about the trees. They are they <laughs> here for the for the rice, for the orcs, for the elves making nonsenses, like yeah. uh, jumping over trolls, like uh, like uh, doing with all of the special effects, the orcs. Mm, that catapults for somebody. Yeah, it's I mean, uh, but that catapult it is 
It is there for a reason, like a believe it or not. And the Galadriopold. Like the Galadriopold have a target. <laughs> and it is that people that like enjoy the Peter Jackson movies, hate the books, or don't even, even have interest in them. And they're gonna, I, th- and I think these people is going to enjoy the TV show. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, it's hard to find an audience this, these days. Yeah, so. but I agree, it's a gamble, and I don't think they're going to be cancelled or like shorten the seasons, but it is true that like, a, like it is nothing set of storm, and even technically it is all bright to the fifth yeah, season, look at, um, they're going to make changes. Even look at... Um, the Fantastic Beast movies. That's another good example. When they started out with those movies, they were like, set in stone, we're going to make five movies really? in this series. And they've just released the third one after a very rocky production. They had to fire one of their lead actors after the second movie. Then they have to fire another one of their lead actors after the third movie, Ezra Miller, who just went batshit bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's looking less and less likely that there is going to be a fourth and a fifth movie. So this is just another example of, of a huge property that has tons of fans, and yet yeah. it, it can't find an audience. There's just, there's too much noise going on these days. I don't know, I'm I'm not saying that I'm like, oh, this is going to fail and get cancelled after a season. I'm just saying, like, I'm seeing more and more examples of this happening. And I just, I won't be surprised if it happens. I guess that's all I'm saying. Well, I I would be surprised, (laughs) but I am agreed that, yes, it's more likely that this happened that, let's say... 10 years ago or like three years ago when like it's like no this is gonna this is gonna it's like a sure investment yeah anyway I know I'm completely off topic but that was just kind of rumbling around in my brain and I (laughs) wanted to discuss it but (laughs) this is not a podcast about TV series getting cancelled. Or <laughs> <Yet>. film. <laughs> this is a podcast about the Lord of the Rings. And today we are going to talk about the Hobbit. And other places. Yes, around. Around, yeah. The, the G-H-A. The yes. General Hard. Right. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, do, do you want to take it away? I've, I've decided to like do as little research as possible for this episode because uh, I just want to I want to learn. So uh, basically, like for the people not like very familiar with the with the Haradins, uh, if they're if you are very familiar with the Peter Jackson movie, it is the one <laughs> with the elephants. You know, I I gotta <laughs> step in there. The, the Peter Jackson film is probably the worst example you could use to, like, imagine the Haradrim. <laughs> but unless, like, a, like, a physically. So they have, like, a... Like a, they, a like, they had the Olifants. They have the Olifants. And uh, the, like, the inspiration... Well, basically, the, um, the Harad, it is in the south, where, southeast of, like, a Gondor. 
and apparently it is massive. It is kind of like a, this area that is out of the map, so it is kind of like a blurry and mysterious. Yeah, it continues off the page. But it is supposed that it's like a bus, and they have like a two sections. It is like a near Harad and far Harad. Obviously, yes, like a that name was given for the Gondorians. So near Harad is the place near Gondor, and far Harad <laughs> is the place like a far from Gondor. <laughs> and despite the both have Harad in the name, it is completely two different regions. So near Harad with like a base in the nomadic tribes from the north of Africa, and especially also for the pirates, that was mostly like uh, active in the end of the Middle Age and beginning of the Renaissance. The Mediterranean pirates? Yep. So like a raid the, the coast of Italy mostly. But weren't, weren't the pirates from Umbar? Umbar, it is in North Harad. It is in the south of North Harad. Okay. So it's near kind of the border. Exactly. And this Far Harad was based mostly like uh, in the ancient Nubians. And, um, I'm sorry, it's really hard for me not to ask, what's a Nubian? <laughs> <laughs> for all you Chasing Amy fans out there. Anyway, sorry, please continue. And they're the ones that actually have olifants. Uh, but like uh, when... like uh, And olifants, just to be clear, are the big elephants <laughs> with, with... that they ride on. That Legolas cruelly murdered, which is very out of character for an elf. And I still haven't forgiven you, Peter Jackson. One of the very few olifants that must be left, by the way. I don't think it is yeah, that many. Yeah, they're like near extinction. And Legolas is just like, let's kill them all. <laughs> Sorry. I have feelings. <laughs> so that was basically the Peter Jackson inspiration for that trips. And I think actually can just like help the people to have a little bit of idea. Just of to be clear, we are talking about the inspiration for the Peter Jackson films. I just want to make that clear because a lot of people like to say that Tolkien based specific races off of real cultures <laughs> on earth. And Tolkien uh he he really hated allegory. He was inspired by mythology and fairy tales, and I do feel like his inspiration from that would obviously mirror the cultures it comes from slightly. But, still, <laughs> just to be clear, the inspiration is for the Peter Jackson films. Okay. So, uh, they were like a mostly like a free people during the first um, the first age and apparently was quite underdeveloped you can just understand that like a uh, term as you <laughs> as you wish <laughs> and then they arrive the Numenorians and they bring the civilization with them. Well you're skipping over Morgoth. Morgoth Morgoth came later. No Morgoth came in the first age. Yeah, but Morgoth have not like influence in them. In them, they have influence in the Esterlings, that they were even from the beginning. But Morgoth went to, like Morgoth was really like the first to find the men, and he was corrupting them and making them evil. Yeah, in but the first age. but like they were not like a serfs of Morgoth in the first age. 
Unlike the well, not necessarily servants, but he was still corrupting their hearts and like making them turn towards evil. I mean, I, I don't know if they. I mean, was. he was a great influence on them in the first stage. They might, but like a like a for example, unlike absolutely. That's why the Numenorians were. I mean, basically. This is before the the Numenorians because they don't have Numenor yet, but the the humans who supported the elves against Morgoth, they are special because all of the other humans <laughs> refused to help, and they supported Morgoth in that. So the Numenorians, the the humans who were faithful, they were rewarded with the island of Numenor because of that, and the rest of the humans were just. <laughs> Evil little bastards that fled east after the fall of Beleriand because their master was dead. I mean, like, it's, it's possible, but like, a de- it's possible. Well, but what, what I, I try to say, it is like a, the Esterlings and the people from Rome, they actually serve Morgoth. Yeah. But like, not the people from like, a, not like a, these people. Well, no, not the Numenorians, because they they were on the side of the elves. But everybody else comes from those Morgoth-loving humans. Yeah, but like, unless they don't make a, spe- a specific reference that Haradrin served Morgoth in the first age. They say that kind of like a, the own thing. Well, I mean, it's all of... all the humans did. All of so. humans, like, a serve Morgoth? Yeah. For sure. They all had that evil on them. They all sinned. We were all... (laughs) (laughs) Evil. Yeah. Well, you know, not evil, just corrupted. Corrupted by power or whatever. And, you know, the sins of the father and all that. (laughs) But, yeah, that that devotion to Morgoth, it it continues to exist, especially in, in... the Easterling area. Yeah. Probably because it's the furthest you can get yeah. from Numenor. <laughs> so, in the end of the first age, the Numenorians, like, a set a colony in the, like, a, in the sur of, like, a Gondor, call it Umbar, and apparently they colonized that area, and they tried bring civilization from, like, the... It's very colonial. Oh, it's totally colonial. I mean, yeah. like, it, it, it is not the first time that like, I, like, we make this reference, but... <laughs> <laughs> really, you know, despite the fact that the Numenorians come from this very noble line, and, of course, the, eventually their descendants become Aragorn and all that, but... The Numenorians are 100% the villains of the Second <laughs> Age. I mean, other than Sauron, of course. Yeah. But the Numenorians caused a lot of shit. And they were colonizers. Yeah. Like, straight up. These were not good people. They subjugate Harad like, as, a, as, as a vassal to the, like, yeah. the, the Numenorians. Like, this is they, ours now. They, they literally, like... A, These less civilized people, what we can help They serve with. us, right? Yeah. And if the like the north of like near Harad become conquered by Gongor eventually, and then they lost it again. But yeah. <laughs> that that is another. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the etymology is like a Saladin, that means literally host from the south. 
<laughs> Not much, eh? <laughs> so we do know that at least one of the ring race comes from the Easterling. Yeah. But he's also one of the only other named ring it, Yeah, I think so. Which hopefully means that he'll be a main character. Now, I really don't know if the ring race are going to exist by the time that season one takes Ka place. Kamul. Kamul. I knew it started with it. Yes. But yeah, I don't know. I have no idea if the rings are already going to be in creation when the series begins, which means that the ring race... I know. Will, like, if... If they wanted to have some semblance of chronology, then they would create the rings like either in episode one or even have it before the season. And maybe it's kind of like a reveal that the rings exist. But the point is that way we can have the ring race. Yes. <laughs> because we need the rings to exist for the ring race to exist. Now, it also might be fun to like see them as like proper humans before they're given the rings but still that means that there'll be characters like in season one that to, to me is the, like the whole point like create the rings and see the process of corrupting like yeah. a, that individual so i want to meet camel i want to see this guy maybe that's the guy that we see in the harad with all the orcs like walking through the orcs maybe that's camel and that would be cool i mean like uh, in in the books, like, uh, they they even came to, like, the West before being corrupted. Mm -hmm. But obviously, we know that they can just change that and just, you know, like, uh, twitch a little bit with the... Yeah, with the, with, and they're going to have to play around with a lot of this. No, because if not, they're going to have, like, uh, 5,000 locations, you yeah. know? It's like, uh, <laughs> if they need to be... Everything happening in the correct place, like a, yeah. No, this is gonna be like a madness. <laughs> yes, I think will be will be awesome if they put Camul Camul <laughs> That obviously they're gonna like a mix up with the Haradrins. So be ready, Esterling and Haradrin. Well, I think <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure the show is gonna keep them as two distinct races, but I think it's gonna be obvious that they're gonna have an alliance together. Yeah. So I think we're going to see them mingling with each other a lot. So I think it would make sense for Kamul to be in the Haddad, especially if that's like Sauron's base of operation. I mean, which like in the Second Age, I mean, he was, he did have Barad-dûr by the Second Age, but he spent a lot of time in the Haddad. In addition, in the Second Age, like Harad have a lot of skirmish with Gondor, because they have like yeah, the border. Yeah, so let, let's. Did you want to talk about how, like, Al Farzan came to Umbar, and like attacked Sauron, or? No, please. Well, basically, when Al Farzan decides to, to go after Sauron to kind of prove how mighty he yeah. is, mm -hmm. he lands in Umbar, and that's, at the time, it was one of the most spectacular cities. I, I think it was like the the, make, the, the major colony. Yeah, like, this is before Minas Tirith was more than, like, an outpost, you know? 
Uh, so Umbar was really like the jewel of the Numenorean colonies, yeah. <laughs> let's say. Oh, no, say it was colony. Yeah. <laughs> so, and when Sauron saw him arrive in Umbar, he was so impressed by the, these Numenorean <laughs> the, lords. The glory. <laughs> and he knew that he couldn't take them. That he would lose in an outright war against them. And he was right, you know. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's how he uh, loses the ring at the end of the Third Age. So he decides at that point to let our Farazan capture him. Yeah. And take Wink. him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and take him back to Numenor. And that's when Sauron begins to slowly corrupt right. him. He gets the black Numenorians to like start worshipping Morgoth. So, uh, one thing that uh, I don't know how much they're going to explore, probably not much, is one of the main differences between the, um, like, uh, the Harad and the Estelins is the Estelins, they are free people. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they always worship like, Morgoth from the, from the very beginning. So, that's the exact opposite of free people. Well, they decided, no, but, like, uh, the, the, the Haradrim was subjugated by the, by the Numenorians. But, like, within the books, the, the free people yeah. specifically refers to the people who are yeah. not under the evil influence. So Okay, so free people was a bad choice of words. <laughs> was That's why I remember, like, the, the Ents, the Elves, yeah, it was the all the free people. and the men. Those are the free people. So they were an independent kingdom, let's say. <laughs> and, and they basically... They they describe it as that they was pure evil and they just like uh, happily like uh, this is not problematic s- at all. No, <laughs> supported, but like uh, the Harads, they they are basically slaves, and like uh, even obviously it's gonna be like uh, evil individuals between the ranks. They they are not intrinsically evil. In fact, obviously this is not gonna come come in the show, but after the third age, the Harad was liberated. And then become like a peacefully or like. Well, I think that's going to be a huge part of the show. Yeah. Like we we've saw in the trailer, you know, Bronwyn standing up and getting the people to rise. Like I think a big part of the series is going to be the liberation of oh. the people and like getting like helping to just dis- you know the underground rebellion helping to destroy Sorry. Sauron's influence in the Hutt. That's going to be a massive part of this show. I, I hope so. Like, it will certainly or, be interesting. Or, or I, I wouldn't say, or like, it's going to be amazing if they try to explore it. Yeah. And like, in fact, in the fourth age, they just mentioned that the Esterlings, they're... They, Reformed? <laughs> no, the opposite. is the only remaining focus of... Uh, of like, uh, evilness in the Middle-earth. And I remember some like... Uh, like because a, they're uh, independent and they do what they want. <laughs> and like one grand, grand, grandson of um, of Aragorn is eventually like uh, defeated, but like a kind of centuries inside the fourth age. It's oh, good! Those <laughs> Numenorians—they're continuing their colonial <laughs> ways. It's the police of the world. <laughs> Isildur would be so proud. I know. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that they are like a very rich like a uh, people that if if they played good is gonna it's gonna give like a a very nice interesting aspect to the show absolutely i i feel like there's a lot of like pushback against 
featuring the Harad a lot, which I don't really understand because why wouldn't you want to explore a world that is canon? But it's so rich with stories to be told, and Tolkien left a great skeleton to create a series around, so I'm definitely excited to see what happens. I mean, we'd be sad that, like, as you say, you have this world already created, like, so rich in different, like, like like, people, races, cultures, like, a that when when don't you see it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it would be a massive waste, and and we already see footage from like a Harald. So, I'm part of me. I feel that they're gonna disappoint me, and they're gonna use it as only kind of like a, as a background. But uh, let's see. I I don't know. I, I think that I, I, I prefer don't expect too much, <laughs> so don't get disappointed. Yeah, I am, um, uh, you know, after the Galadriel <laughs> I, I At least I don't have great hope for the action sequences, but you never know. Um, I still think it looks very pretty. Yes, um, definitely. I love they are. The, the the costumes and the sets, and I think the 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 casting is great. I mean, I can't judge too much of the acting. I haven't seen more than no, a few I mean, like two second clips here and there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, where are my fun facts about the Harad? I need some fun facts. Fun facts. Give me your fun, funnest facts. <laughs> In the Peter Jackson movies... Oh, back to those. Peter Jackson, like, uh, make a cameo himself as a corsair uh. from... <laughs> <laughs> so he is one of the pirates that yes. appear when, like, a day fight against... Um... It's not only Peter Jackson. There's a few people from the production. Oh, really? Yeah, so the whole, like, deck of that ship is just people from behind the scenes. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cute moment. Did he say why they chose that particular... I think it was just fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and also, I think it was also a way to try... And disguised him a little because, uh, you know, in the first movie, the cameo was just kind of like a throwaway thing. And then the second one, everyone was kind of looking for it. And then the third one was like, okay, where's the cameo? Where's the cameo? (laughs) So I think they just wanted to make it a little bit more of a surprise. (laughs) Uh, Or or like a difficult for the people to find it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that that was a good little moment. (laughs) The rest of their portrayals in those movies is... I mean, we just barely got to see or even no. understand who these people were. I I remember a lot of my friends were just very confused about where all these extra people were coming from. And, and more yeah. to the point, because they didn't have a good idea of who these people were or the geography of everything, all they saw was like suddenly an army of colored people is on the side of the evil monster and all the good people are, are white. Yeah. 
And it's not a good look. Or extremely white, like the elves. So the the failure to introduce these races and properly explain them, it it just it it didn't look great. It really it left them kind of like dehumanized, and so you just have. I mean, it's. I mean, it's literally the bad guys are the only colored people you see in those films. I mean, the, the only the only moment that they kind of like try to like uh, explain a little humanize it is when the Faramir find them for the first time. Oh, yeah, in that two second moment. In that two second moment, that like uh, he just like a uh, kind of uh, one there like. Uh, yeah. You know, when, when they say that, like, it is like a trick to go to the war, like, if he was really evil. And, uh, and that is taken directly from the book. And, of course, the book, you get a little bit more time with this moment to yeah. breathe with it. In the, in the movie, it's so jarring. It's just like, action, action. Oh, oh. I, w- <laughs> I wonder if he had a mother waiting for him at home. Like, dude, like. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> we'll kill more of these faceless people in the next movie. No, it is true. Don't explain anything. In fact, I remember when I saw uh, the, um, the Esterlins in the Black Gate. Like, I, I love the armor. I love, like, the... Uh, the they did look... Yeah, they I, look cool. I, I love the armor design. And the same thing is like a... Okay, I, I... Who the I, fuck are these people? No, I want more of them people. <laughs> they look super badass. Give me more. I mean... Yeah, you never see them again. <laughs> no. Like brief, brief flashes in the third movie? Maybe? Yeah, like in the third movie, you know, when everything is chaos, everything is mixed, do you see a few of them, like, a mix with the others? Yeah. It just... It was a really wasted opportunity. And obviously I know that he was dealing with a lot of source material and some stuff had to get cut out. Yeah. But it was also really jarring when you get to the third movie and it's like suddenly there's pirates showing up and now there's ghost knights showing up and it just kind of makes your head spin with all these people showing up. Yeah, because, I mean, now I'm realizing that like they never explain that the pirates... They're the same yeah. Haradrins that yeah. like arrive in the, the elephants. And they look nothing alike. No, they look nothing alike. <laughs> <laughs> or unless, like the, the couple that you have like a, like a, like a short uh, image mean, of them. It's, uh, it's kind of a, it's a weird oversight on Peter Jackson's part, I would say. So, like, this should be, like, a four hours instead of three <laughs> each, each movie. Oh, man. Another, I, an, another hour. <laughs> I would have I sat through a ten-hour-long film for all three of those, absolutely. I mean, for all the flack I give Peter Jackson, um, that trilogy is near and dear to my heart. Even though I can acknowledge its flaws, I, I still do love it. <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, I understand that like you always have this fighting of like uh, explaining everything and make it like a boring along or just good to the action. Yeah. But some some things you really should spend the yes. time on. There's uh, other things that you can cut out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> do do we really need all those tree beard scenes? Mm. <laughs> All right. Do we have any anything else to 
shed light on the Haradim? No, I mean, uh, just to say, I'm. I, I mean, after researching, I am really excited to see where they come. Really, not, not expect too much. Honestly, I I really think that you're gonna just like uh, put it in the bag to be colorful and ooh exotic <laughs> like locations. Yeah. But I hope they're wrong, yeah. and I hope that they go a little bit into the like the culture and so on and. Let's see. Well, we've got like two more weeks until we find out. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> not, not too much. <laughs> All right. I have none of my books around me. It's always a talking book nearby. There is always a talking book. It's always a talking book in every room <laughs> for emergencies. You never know when you <laughs> might need one. Here we go. The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. I'm just going to read the whole thing. <laughs> the old troll sadly sat and wept outside the lockhole's gate, and Perry the Winkle up he crept and patted him on the pate. Oh, why do you weep, you great big lump? You're better outside than in. He gave the troll a friendly thump and laughed to see him grin. <laughs> Bye! Bye. We were the first, and we will be the last. From Morgan James Fiction comes the exciting new historical fantasy Orope, the White Snake, by Guinevere Lee. The whispers of the gods have seen the vision, the gods destroying the world in a flood because the old ways have been corrupted and forgotten. Three are chosen, Tersh, Kareth, and Shadi, to go out and warn the world, the gods must be appeased. In Orope, the white snake, Tersh must leave her children and travel to Matawe, the kingdom in the mountains. She also must care for Kareth and keep him out of trouble. Kareth, told since birth that he is destined for greatness, has been expecting this moment. Certain that he is ready, he quickly discovers that his confidence and curiosity have a tendency to lead him into dangerous situations. Shadi finds himself traveling alone to find the people of the jungle, the Petsahalpa. The jungle seems like a paradise until he discovers the darker rituals practiced within. Samaki is a merchant who returns to Mahat to find his home destroyed, his father dead, and no one to buy his expensive cargo. With his first mate, Tuhark, the merchant struggles to move forward after his entire world has been upended. The stories of these four travelers intersect and entwine with each other as they move towards their destinations. Guided by visions, the whispers must use their wits to survive in these strange new lands that would rather use them as political pawns than listen to their warnings. Available in paperback, digital, and audio wherever books are sold. To learn more, visit GuineveerLee.com. G-U-E-N-E-V-E-R-E-L-E-E.com. And thank you for listening. Music provided by Bensound.com. Hikari, the Azura Fish, is the thrilling sequel to Orope, the White Snake. Orope introduced historical fiction fans to a unique fantasy world inspired by Bronze Age history and mythology. Hikari takes them further, going to new kingdoms and introducing new characters. The gods are still angry, but the whispers of the gods are closer than ever to saving the world from a terrible flood. 
Kareth is still working for the powerful Imota. Kareth hopes Imota will help him deliver his message to the ruler of Mahat. But everything changes when the sorcerer Dedelian takes an interest in him. After the winter snows have melted, Tersh decides to head into the mountain kingdom of Matoe to reach the city of Mesite. Lost in this strange land, she must rely on the help of Tuthalia, a soldier with an unknown past who plans to return home and start a family. Shadi's journey seems doomed by the death of their leader, but the Hunter case set promises to lead them through the jungle. There are sinister things in the jungle though, and their journey is beset by disease and attacks from wild animals. Samaki sails east, a last attempt to make a good trade that will save his livelihood. The Middle Sea has changed since Samaki last sailed though, and the waters are rife with the ruthless sea people. Continue this wonderful journey with Guinevere Lee as she takes you through the fantasy world of Picari the Azure Fish, the sequel to Orope the White Snake. Ebook, paperback, and audiobook out now. You can buy it on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, Barnes and Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, please go to the website guineverelee.com. Near Harad was mostly inspired by like the Bereber tribes and just like the like the like the, the culture from like the north of Africa. What tribes? Bereber. Do you want to show me how it's written? Bereber. <laughs> Amazigh, apparently. Amazigh. It's like it's like the um, nomads from the north of. North of Africa. Just say nomads from the north of okay. Africa. We have a word for this in Spanish. Yeah, but. I mean, we. Do you mean like Bedouin? I don't know. I think Bedouin is different.